And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, uh, and this is Finding a Voice, spoken word program airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up on the show today, in the first hour from the second, <clears throat> excuse me, and third sessions of the first day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival, uh, this day was, uh, this was recorded, was on June 29th, and you're in it you'll hear readings by Kate Marshall Flaherty, Ashna Azam, Billy Kearns, and Aaron Boyce. And in the second hour, from the remainder of the third session of the first day, uh, I should have mentioned that uh, Aaron was, yeah, was in the third session. So the remainder of the third session of the first day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival on June 29th, you'll hear readings by Judith Popeil, Ashley Elizabeth Best, and Alyssa Cooper. Uh, this first, though, just the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally, some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to uh, honor, I guess, the creative uh, integrity of both the author and the piece. So to begin with, as uh, we begin what uh, will be really, for the most part, uh, we'll consume this show for the next uh, probably couple, couple of months, um, this uh, festival uh, begun here last week. You're going to hear the remainder of the second session and the full of the third session of the first day of a three-day poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5. Uh, these readings took place on June 29th. Uh, the festival, I should mention, too, itself is tied to the much larger ArtFest Kingston 2019 three-day artist festival. So up first in it today, let's go ahead and just get it all set up here. Up first today in it, you're going to hear a reading by Kate Marshall Flaherty. Up next. Katie Marshall Flaherty's most recent book of poetry, Radiant, launched with the Nana Press this June, and her first full musical, I No Longer Can, had its uh, first staged reading at Alumni Theater this June as well. Her poems about Ontario's Georgian Bay Area won the 2018 King Foundation Award. She has been published in numerous Canadian and international journals and anthologies, has been shortlisted for Arts Poem of the Year 2019, Exile Editions Gwendolyn uh, McEwen uh, Poetry Award 2018, Descant's uh, Best Canadian Poem, the Pablo Neruda Poetry Prize, You've been very busy. The Thomas uh, Merton Poetry of the Sacred Prize, the Robert Frost Poetry Award, and others. She, uh, she inaugurated Poetry in Union in 2019, and she guides uh, Still Point writing workshops in schools, youth shelters, universities, and hospitals. Poetry, obviously, is her lifeline. <laughs> See her uh, performance poetry to music at, uh, at I guess, just dot triple W up would work. KateMarshallFlaherty.ca slash KMF. Let's bring her up. Thank you. 
Bruce, and I do love being here, and I thank you. I think Arts Fest is fantastic. I love the poetry tent as the heart of the whole Arts Fest. I was looking at the map, and I thought, how great that the biggest tent and the biggest center in the heart of the whole thing is this uh, beautiful art uh, poetry tent. So I'm going to read eight poems that will clock in a little under 15 minutes, but three of them are to music that my son made, so I'm pretty proud um, that he, uh, yeah, he, I, I think, really gets me, and so I think he really added a, another dimension to the poems with his music. <laughs> my sweet husband's going to be my tech guy. I hope it works out. <laughs> okay. So the, before we start the first one, all these books, I mean, all these poems are from this latest book are about my journey with breast cancer, which I should say five years ago, um, they found a very large tumor in my right breast that had metastasized. So um, I'm, every day I'm grateful to be here. And this first poem I'm going to read, I thought I'm going to write a poem from the perspective of the tumor, you know, because it's, it's all part of the cycle of life. And maybe I'll get a little insight into the whole journey if I can write a poem from the perspective of the tumor. So it was the first poem I wrote in this book. And then Gabriel, my son, made music to it. So hit it. Tumor Nestled in dense flesh I, ominous orb Pearled myself larger in soft oyster folds I stayed silent under the sea Were you listening to what bubbled up? I was unknown all those seasons of waves Starting as a grain of sand, no more grit than salt. Swelling, I had no scent of green before rain, no shape or weight, just mass of cells feeding like fish. By the time you saw me, Bright as a silver lure in an ocean mound, I shone out from darkness. I chose to grow in your bosom, for with it you nourish children and the world. Thank you. Um, so the next poem is about. It's called Chemo. I had announced to everybody I wasn't going to do chemo because I'm a nuts and berries girl. Uh, but one by one, my kids and the people I love me said, you know what, will you please just do chemo? So it's uh, it feels paradoxical to me to take poison to heal. So I had to really spend some time uh, figuring out chemo. So this is my poem, that making peace with going on chemo. Phony conviction, sterile. I need to believe in this red electric juice stung into my veins. Persuade my imagination it's elixir. My faith in healing is real. I've seen convincing proofs, known mysteries of light. I've witnessed convicts set free, jail bars flung open, a brightness quickening in each cell. I've seen the earthy shroud left in a mound held a burst-open chrysalis in my palm. 
have prayed and been still, sat like a hermit in my space, quiet, reverent. Even my fear convinced me of one thing, love. And so I will see you, ruby drug, as liquid love, and trust you are spreading the good news. So the stuff that, that the chemo that I went through was called the red devil. It was red juice. So I imagine priestesses were in the basement <laughs> praying over it and throwing petals into it. Um, and this next one's called burn, about going through radiation. Um, that was a little bit easier to understand, but anyway. Once at 12, I spent a day on the black slant of my parents' roof, listening to Lighthouse Chicago Genesis. Little bits of tar shingle embedded in my butt as my face baked to a later that evening angry red, a later that week brood of blisters. I told you so was no salve from my father, and my mother couldn't find the aloe plant which must have died in the window box. Recalling the arc of puffed and searing flesh under my eyes, worse when wetted with tears, I tried to imagine what it means. Radiation. A medical sunburn, eradication of cells, hot radar, laser light. The doctor says it will feel like you sunbathed for six weeks with a hole in the parasol exact to your breast. I envision the radiant sun, think of its healing rays, trace the incision on my right bosom. Can I not skip this therapy? Envisioning love and light emanating from the source of all, healing love, I blush nod my head, a yes girl, the oncologist basking in his own knowledge. Not everybody loves their oncologist. <laughs> um, this one's a sweet one. It's called Triptych for My Three Children During Chemo. They were all teenagers when I was going through chemo, and I think sometimes it's harder for them than for the person going through, but these are just three little tiny poems. Um, that celebrate, gosh, I'm being bitten alive up here, um, that celebrate, um, that celebrate just how tender they were. No, it's okay, thanks. Triptych for my three children during chemo. One, wings. The top stair moans in moonlit dark. Oaken weight leans on the lintel. I lurch, stumble descending the stairs. And Gabriel, my angel, is there. His sturdy hold under my arms writes me after my fall. I lean on him. Two eggs. Yellow bile and bright sun make stark my bedspread. I wake to spy a glass bowl of water filled with floating flowers. Glints of morning sun specks the wall. Lockie knocks softly, bringing me eggs sunny side up with twin toast and tea, tells me he likes it when I'm vulnerable, so he can help. Three, sweet. Lemon cleanser, lemon smells cleaner than chlorine bleach with zest. Oh, happy kitchen when Annie wipes away grime. She is careful and meticulous, her prayer becomes a cloth. She says we need a clean sweep to make space, confess and let go. There is time for Veronica's napkin and a season for rags to flap joyous purpose in the sun. So I have two more poems. This next one is to music. My son Gabriel made the music, which I think is really lovely. It's called Just a Titch. 
somebody when I was reading uh, last week at the art bar said, whoa, not yet. <laughs> um, said, wow, I, when I heard that you're going to be reading a book about cancer poems, I thought, what a downer. So he said, I didn't expect to laugh, but hopefully this one's sort of funny. Um, uh, it's called Just a Titch, because if you know me, you know how much I love wine. And if you ask me how much I'd like in my glass, I'll say, oh, just a titch, which really means just a titch. So um, that's the name of this one. And I thought Gabriel did a lovely job of doing kind of clowny, fun, blowing uh, air into bottles music that goes with this. So I think he did a lovely job, and I wanted to give him a shout out. Okay, we're ready now. Just a titch is what I say when there's only an inch of Malbec left in the bottle. It's what I respond to offers of dessert, coffee, sweets. It's the amount of chili flakes needed for heat, that pinch of any spice to add taste. Just a titch. When I'm challenged on a detail, did I exaggerate the facts? Was I frightened by that turbulence? Did that guy piss me off? Well, just a titch. And when I dip into the credit line, charge extra on the card, skim a bit from bills for treats, well, just a titchy little titch. And when a space showed up on the light screen, a hollow bit in my rib, smaller than the measure I always mention, if you asked me then, the moment I saw it, heard the impossible, most probable reason, metastases. If you asked, was I frightened by that sliver, smaller than a seed, even though I felt in my bones all was well? Well, yes, yes, just a titch. Um, the very last one is called Sprout. This was after chemo when I lost all my hair for a long time. Whoa, not yet. <laughs> um, thanks. <laughs> we'll perfect the, the show. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, um, thanks, Cindy. So uh, after chemo, I didn't think my hair or my eyebrows would ever, or my eyelashes would ever come back. It took forever. And actually, my eyelashes really sort of never did. But so when finally some hair came, I felt so excited and happy. And I don't know, we all went, did all of us go to high school in Ontario? How many of you grew those little beans and Dixie cups in grade one? Some of you? Okay. So there's a reference to that. Okay. Thanks, sweetie. Sprout, post-chemo. Like that grade one bean project in a decorated Dixie cup, those little unfurlings of green poking up in the window. Something is growing on the smooth garden of my scalp. Exotic as first fiddleheads, little lines of white tip dark spike up. Not pirate stubble or coarse hair shaved mean. These are baby fine kitten fur. I cannot stop stroking these soft tassels as I smooth a palm over my crown. 
It's soothing to feel something grow. I do not speak the language of warrior. Had not helmet or sword, I was shorn more as monk, stripped naked. I have no head for battle, but carry a banner for all people. I want to stand on this mountain's bald top in the fierce, refreshing wind, waving my flag in the light. So um, when I do sell these books, um, $2 from each book goes to Wellspring, which is a beautiful um, sort of a healing journey for people and their families that are going through cancer. So I just thought I would say that. Thank you for being such a lovely, attentive audience, even though you're being bitten a lot. And thank you for, thanks to my sweetie, sound man. That was Katie Marshall Flaherty. Let's give her another hand. And you just heard uh, Katie Marshall Flaherty in the second session of the first day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5. It's a lot of numerals in there. Poetry Festival on June 29th. Up next in that same session, here is Ashna Azam. Up next, Ashna Azam is a student at Queen's University from Cape Breton Island. She has published her work in Lake Effect 8, Ars Medica, and in the upcoming volume of the new Quarterly. She is still trying to figure things out. Let's bring her up. <laughs> thanks, Bruce. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Um, I'm going to start by reading just a prose poem that I wrote a while ago. Um, it's called Borders. Um, so I'll just get into it. Sorry, I'm going to be hopping around as I, as I read to get these mosquitoes off me. Wearing my mother's cardigan feels like playing dress up again. I'm six years old and searching through her vanity for lipsticks and perfume. The cardigan is heavier than it looks. Somehow, without my knowing, the gears have stretched on and I'm starting to borrow my mother's worries, fears, and anxieties like I borrow her clothes. Soon, I'll see her in the strands of my graying hair and I'll feel her in my arthritic knees. I shouldn't be so surprised that my mother is now marked into each crease of my skin. One day, when I slip my arm through the soft material of her blouse, my mother's hand will appear at the other end. Bony knuckles, skin sagging loose, like a shawl draped gently over hard bone, creasing and folding to create indecipherable borders. My brother wears the eyes of security guards on his back. We're waiting for the train to take us home. It's been delayed. As he makes his way over to where I'm sitting, each step my brother takes feels like the creak of a loose floorboard. At some point in the past, my brother was shorter than me. I was the one he ran to when he was afraid, fought off his playground bullies and held his hand when we crossed the street. My brother always trailed behind me like a restless shadow, jostling and bickering with me. Now he powers over me. There's light stubble cloaking his baby face. His skin is a few shades darker than mine, making his body more visible. 
Can't my brother feel the glares on his back as he eats his sandwich? My brother gets up to throw away his empty wrapper. His legs make long strides towards the garbage can. The security guard's eyes are fixed on him. My brother's footsteps thud inside me like a door knocker. As we wait for the train many miles away, my parents are waiting to receive us home. I imagine my mother has prepared a feast for us to celebrate our homecoming, safe and sound. I can hear gunshots. My brother is playing a game on his phone. His brows furrowed in concentration, back and shoulders hunched over. His eyes light up like the screen. He turns the phone towards me so I can see his new high score. I fetch Vaseline for my father's hands. His skin chapped and cracked around the knuckles from the icy wind. He woke up an hour before I did to shovel snow off the driveway so I can get my car out to go for my big interview. The same as it's always been, changing my tires, filling up the gas tank, getting my car checked, shoveling the driveway. This is his language. Fetching Vaseline and making him a cup of tea. This is my language. There are some things that aren't said out loud. My parents have crossed many borders, so we won't have to. So we have a place to call home. But some nights I can hear my mother's cry as she prays, forehead pressed against the ground. There's an ocean between the old world and the new, but not much else. Sometimes, late at night, I sneak into my brother's room to make sure he's breathing, like my mother's always done. I hold on to the hope that if I take on this burden of making sure his breaths are full and uninterrupted, my mother will have one less thing to worry about, and I can convince myself we're safe. This uh, next poem uh, is called Ishk, um, which means to stick to, to cleave to, and it's essentially um, a fervent type of love or desire. My mother and I, we watch the window every morning as my dad leaves for work. My mother says, our women breathe in our men like incense. My mother waters the plants every morning, her fingers brushing through the overflowing, intertwining leaves with dilated veins encircling the living room, making it smell of damp earth. My mother says, our women are like ivy that twine around trees and cleave to them. We're taught to worship another person is sacrilege, and yet I've watched the circles under an aunt's eyes darken I've watched her husband's shadow swallow her whole. My mother says, our women are not meant to join the funeral pyres of our beloved. And yet, our women, we let our men seep onto the napes of our necks. Our men linger in our shawls like the smoke of cedar wood. We burn, we sear ourselves alive with our devotion. Uh, this next poem is a short one. Uh, it's called Rock Irani, which essentially um, is a night-blooming jasmine, um, and it means queen of the night. Um, and as you'll see a similar theme as I reference my mother a lot. <laughs> my mother's jasmine plant reigns over the living room, presses against the window. In the last hours of the night, 
when we wake to say our prayers. Her flowers in full bloom greet us, envelop us with perfume, like the whispers we share with the still air. Um, I'm just gonna read one last one, and this one uh, was inspired uh, by an anatomy class um, where we were learning the anatomy of the heart. So it's called anastomosis which is defined as a connection or opening between two things that are normally diverging or branching, such as between blood vessels, leaf veins, or strings. He placed a heart in my hands and asked me to name each blood vessel. When I couldn't find the words, he said, clearly you don't understand the heart. And I thought there must be a metaphor in there somewhere. He lined a row of hearts on the table and told me I couldn't leave until I could map the coronary arteries. And so I held each heart, one by one, traced the borders and grooves, held the dead weight in my hand, and felt nothing. But my steady pulse against its waxy surface, felt waves rising to my carotids, felt my head pulse with each ebb and flow, pictured myself plunging into circulation, following the tides of each vessel, like a stone smoothed by the ocean, letting myself wash away. That was Ashna Assam. Let's uh, give another hand. And that was Ashna Assam uh, from the second session of the first day of three-day poets at Art Fest Five Festival. Uh, this day uh, was that first day was June 29th. Tell you what, let's do this, and I'll be right back. The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136. Selena Chirelli here on CFRC 101.9 
Monday nights at 7. CFRC Radio has been the campus and community radio station for Queens and Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is both listener-supported and listener-created radio, bringing both music and spoken word content to our community on 101.9 FM and around the world on CFRC.ca. Support locally created media. Learn more at CFRC.ca. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, and we do stream live online as well, www.cfrc.ca. So let's go ahead and jump back into the second session of the first day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest Five Poetry Festival. Uh, this one, this first day was uh, June 29th, and um, bringing up next in it uh, actually the last poet of that uh, second session. So here is Billy the Kid, uh, A.K.A. Billy Kearns. Up next, Billy the Kid, Billy Kearns is a Dene uh, Cree Métis spoken word poet with a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering. Her poetry uses storytelling and playful metaphors to explain relationships with her friends, family, culture, and nice-smelling food. Originally from Yellowknife, Billy moved around a lot and then ended up mostly growing up in Ottawa, where she started going to poetry shows in 2012. Since then, she's participated in spoken word events across Canada and the United States, including Youth Can Slam, the Canadian Festival of Spoken Word, and the College Union's Poetry Slams Invitational. Billy has been featured in the Ways We Love Showcase at CFSW 2017 and was a co-feature in the Voices of Today Finals in 2018. Let's bring up... Billy the Kid. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, so I was thinking about what I wanted to do for my set today, and I think the past couple weeks, this past month, I've been uh, thinking a lot about love and self-love and um, the different relationships I hold. So I'm gonna. It's gonna be my love set. Uh, kicking it off they told me to tell them a love story so I hope it was a polite slap in the face when I told them about you see most people only define one kind of romantic 
and the category of just two best friends, not two Venuses in cahoots, tends not to fall under said definition. The thing is, man, it wasn't just best friends. Because if they don't believe that you and I have something special, then they'd be missing out on all the late night speeches, sunbathing in grass fields, and all the times our eyes were glowing even when they were closed. And we felt like the color of a flashlight pressed against the back of a hand, seeping through fingers, but not escaping. And I still remember the day that I found you. Or maybe it was you who found me because I had a textbook case of new kid syndrome. And when you and the nerds we still call friends approached me at recess, I decided to avoid you at all costs. Because even though it was only the sixth grade, well, I would never be class president in high school if I hung around with kids like you guys. Well, thank God I didn't say that out loud, and thank God you let me come back when I realized that you were the ones I fit in with. And you stuck with me. And I stuck with you, and now even though we don't live in the same cities anymore, we know that time is trivial. Babe, we've been through too much to forget each other. You're the first door I knock on when I can't cope with the world. Like, remember that one time you weren't home and I came back to your house every half hour because you weren't picking up the phone? I'd had my soul skewered by some boy's fickle rent-time relationship and when you returned the next day, you held me in your arms and let me bleed out the shards on your shoulders until I was dancing again. And I'm sorry that was the first time you saw me cry. I swear the night that you called and said that the doctors didn't think your mom would survive the winter, my eyes soaked my pillow. And I can still hear that crack in your voice mid-sentence. It sounds like that look you get in the center of your pupils when people talk about Mother's Day. And I'm sorry I couldn't cry at the funeral. I tried, but I couldn't. None of us could. We'd play hide-and-go-seek instead because that's how we dealt with that heavy feeling in our stomachs. That feeling like someone's punched you while your gut is full of water, that's how we dealt with it. Like how after the service we went back to your place and watched four episodes of The X-Files. That's how we dealt with it. Do you know what? I think we pulled through. But don't get me wrong, man, I still worry about you. I know that you feel needles in your throat when you say that things are alright, and babe, I'd steal your insomnia if it meant you could sleep sound at night, and I know that this phrase has been turned to candy corn, but please, never forget that I'm there for you. So you know what? Maybe it's just good luck that you only lived five minutes away. And it's plain weird that our birthdays are only 22 hours apart, but it's not life's four-leaf clovers that have kept us together, dear. It's this lush kind of romance called friendship, and I'm hoping that we never break up. So uh, I wrote that poem because my French teacher in high school was like, write a love story, and I was feeling in a particular mood that day, and I was like, you want a love story? I'll tell you a love story. Platonic love is the best kind of love you're going to get. Um, so that uh, is what spurred writing, like, me as a poet being like, I'm not going to write love poems, but you know what? I'll write one for my best friend. Um, this next poem, however, is another assignment that I just got this past year uh, where I actually did have to write a love poem. There was no getting around it. <laughs> uh, so I call this one, We Agreed That I Should Leave You in Toronto. We sit on the couch in your apartment and the clock pushes August away 
hands squeezing the thick air to rain. Two hours left before my bus back to Kingston, and we're still dragging songs into the last Spotify playlist we'll make together. You slide into a black hoodie, and Icona Pop swells through your speakers. It hits me that I'll never kiss the cold off your face in the fall, or melt the red off your cheeks with my palms. I'll remember the sweat of June from your fingers, how I pulled salt and dirt from your knuckles with my mouth. You pop the cork off a miniature of pear brandy, flash a grin through your hood, excited to try the notes of something you find peculiar. When I leave, you'll keep the small bottle around just long enough to fall for the taste before the brandy runs dry. You lick your lips. This means you want me to kiss you. I shove your back against the couch, attempt to suck the grin out of your jaws. I gather the fleece on your shoulders in my fist. Imagine the brandy smells like crunching leaves. Okay, so this next one I wrote um, because as Bruce mentioned in my bio, I love food. Um, <laughs> and I love being playful in my writing. It's also Pride Month, uh, which I guess this poem you'll see why I'm saying that. Anyways. She somersaulted through the cracks of my oven and did a ragtime tap dance with cast iron plated shoes. My initial reaction was to jump back astonished but this alluring dancer took a hold of both my hands and spun me in circles on the linoleum floor of my kitchen. And yes, she was beautiful. Fishnet stockings clung to her thighs and her torso was hugged by a red-beaded leotard that glinted in the light of 60-watt bulbs. Sparks flew off her burgundy hair and they pricked my skin as we spun it stung, but only made me hold on tighter. Her smile framed by lips adorned with crimson beeswax, beckoned mine to come closer. Closer, but not too close. Still, close enough to see the steam from the kettle begin to pass through the reflection in her pupils for a fraction of each of our revolutions. The kettle, it sang for us. In a murderous soprano, the kettle sang for us. Lady of Red let out a sizzleless laugh, then slid a hand down to the small of my back. She leaned forward, dipped me closer to the ground, then pulled me upright so that my ear was by her mouth and I could hear the sound of the sparks flying off her burgundy hair. They seared their way into my eyelashes. We have 34 seconds left, she whispered, until you must release me. And I will expand, reach down into the furthest corners of your hallways, and paint each fiber of your clothes with myself. Her breath nuzzled its way into my ear canal, the kettle still singing behind us. I let it sing its solo until it became the white noise of our embrace. But the kitchen timer scolded me. It screamed that if I waited for too long that she'd no longer be herself that she'd become a charcoal memory of who she used to be. So I stopped clinging onto her, set her free from my arms so that she could watch me take the kettle off the element, much like lifting the needle off a record. 
Lady raised an eyebrow and tapped a cast-iron-plated shoe while she waited for me to let go of the rest of her. Not her body, but her image. So, armed with my oven mitt, I opened the oven door, and she tripped the light fantastic into every corner of my home. And this last one I have for you today, um, I wrote for love of community, I guess. Um, I think there's a lot of times in which we can lose ourselves about being excited about the love of new things and forget about the love that we already have. Um, I guess to not dance around the subject and be specific, like, oh wow, I am in a new relationship and this is really exciting um, or even unrequited love and then feeling sad about that and then realizing you already have so much love around you um, and being I guess just grateful for it so this one I wrote summer 2016 in which I missed the moon for a boy two times in a row I feel guilty each time I look into the night sky. I see her face, and when she's fully turned towards me, it's as if we're making eye contact. Milkamus, Grandmother Moon, I'm sorry. Moon ceremonies only happen every 28 days, and this is the only time I get to see these women. I listen to their stories, and we share food around our sacred fire held in a tin can. With rattles and drums we sing together, call and answer, and voices all proud and nervous and grateful, and you can hear the healing in every beat. The bowls of strawberries gets passed around, and his mouthfuls of joy and juice. So, I want to call these women sisters, as I know they are, but I don't feel like I deserve to. I flaked out on them like stale bannock, and I apologized in jam. I'd still be left with seeds in my teeth and the aftertaste of being an afterthought on my tongue. Like, really. There are people to pray for, stories to listen to, songs to learn, and nookamus. Chasing this boy has been futile. I'm grasping at smoke whenever I try to feel like I'm worth his time, and in the midst of being so sure I'd caught a plume in my hands, I held on too tightly. It looked as though the fumes were embracing me as I watched the smoke slide from my fingertips and into the lungs of the next person who inhaled. She understood better than I did how to breathe around him, and I should have known that whatever spark I thought there was had died by then. Well, I am much too watered to hold on to sparks. And if I'm as wise as the tides, I'll reach back towards the women I want to call six sisters the next time your gravity pulls me towards our meetings. I want to sing. I want to listen. I want to breathe in the smell of burning tobacco, sage, and cedar instead of the smell of sweat on summer nights. I'll wash myself in the smoke of an abalone shell and smudge my breath until it starts working again. Nokamis, I'm sorry I missed you twice. I still love you. I still love myself. And I still love the women I want to call sisters. Thank you.
And for the four of them, Tim, Katie, Eshna, Billy, how about one more time? And you just heard a reading by Billy the Kid, or Billy Kearns, in the second session of the first day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. Again, that day was, the first day was June 29th. And uh, she was also the last person in that uh, session. So up next from uh, the third session that day, here is Aaron Boyce. Up next, Aaron Boyce is a Kingston-based educator, designer, musician, and writer. New to poetry, Aaron's writing primarily explores personal identity and relationships through the rich imagery of nature. Her recent work has been published in Devour, Art and Lit Canada, and the Free Lit Magazine. Let's bring up Aaron Boyce. Thanks for coming. Yes, I'm new to poetry, new to writing it, new to reading it out loud, so thanks for listening. Uh, this is the first poem that I ever wrote. I've read it before at open mic, and it was published um, this month in Freelit magazine. It's called The Secret. I carry a secret in a dark forest. My roots scrape raw, but hidden under a mossy cloak of brave words. I tell no one. Beauty deceives me now. Inside every flower, a spider waits, promising a sharp sting of longing and the shame of a desire to be bitten, to surrender to your poison, to take you inside me, abandoning reason, and tear the tender threads of care I've woven around myself. Summer breezes cannot cool me. Verdant air cannot refresh me. I cannot be soothed but by your words, as rich as earth and just as dark. But knowing that the cause is not the comfort, I follow a silent path away from you as a warm, moist pain still glistens in a tender place. Thank you. Um, this next one I wrote after the first time I read at Open Mic. I was really inspired by the, the words of the other um, poets, and I felt full of energy, and I couldn't sleep, so I wrote something else. This one's called Singularity. Single, at singularity, a position or configuration where subsequent behavior cannot be predicted. Not defined, not well behaved, difficult to differentiate. Either yes or no, neither here nor there, neither yours nor theirs. An isolated object at a temporary still point with infinite possible futures. This one's newer, I haven't read it before. It's called Heartstorm. It begins with a distant rumble, more felt than heard. A flock of anxious birds alights in the chest with a familiar rush. Muscles tensed, senses primed, breath comes shallow on ragged gusts of bitter wind. Our words, the truth of love, reduced to a nearly inaudible whine. Something wicked this way comes. With the first drops, we run for cover, but there is no shelter from a heart storm. Our golden sun obscured by dark clouds of fear and shame. 
alone and wet with tears, we're lost to one another and invisible to ourselves. Why does our nature betray us? Raw hearts aching for warmth, we're lost but must not disappear. Blind and numb, I reach for you where you last stood, the shape of you still strong and clear in memory. And I find you beside me still, blind and numb, reaching for me. Connection parts the clouds like a sigh. The storm ends. Our sun emerges patiently, quietly, without a rainbow. Thank you. This is the last one I'll read. It's my favorite. And it was, um, it will be coming out in the next issue of Devour, which is like imminent. Um, it's called Archaeology. To write is to engage in an archaeology of the heart, a carefully documented excavation of our most fragile histories. Perfect porcelain promises made and broken, scraps and treasures scraped from layers of rich experience, buried in lost intentions and the fertile soil of our expectations. This scientific pursuit, crouched in dust on bloodied knees, is an examination of an immaterial material culture. Built, by, built over time by people lost to us long ago, possibly even forgotten. Each poem uncovered an artifact of love's objective truth, an ancient foundation upon which we dare to build anew. It's a pit, this deep love. We fall in, build up, and fall apart again. Thank you. And you just heard a reading by Aaron Boyce in the third session of the first day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival, and that was on June 29th. Uh, you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And I hope you can stay tuned for the second hour today. Uh, I'm going to share a few announcements. I'm even going to, I mean, not in the second hour, I mean right now, uh, share a few announcements that I usually do to uh, carry us over, but I'm actually going to... Uh, maybe play a couple of songs today, a shorter one here at the end of the first hour and a longer one uh, to take us into saltwater music at 6 o'clock. So what I want to do is uh, let you know that I hope you can stay tuned for the second hour today. So you're going to hear three more readings from that uh, third session of the first day of Poets at Art Fest 5. And uh, also want to do the thing I usually do at the end of each hour, and that's to let you know that both hours of uh, today's show, like all other week's shows, uh, will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after I get home. Saved there four years, for four years, at Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. So I do have a few minutes uh, for announcements. I can say it's summertime, so these are getting a bit fewer and further between, but there are still a few things going on. Uh, 
Kingston Riders Fest. Tickets are now on sale. Uh, go to, uh, I would suggest, if you're, there are things that you really want to see, uh, you might want, they've been on sale almost a week now already, I think. Anyway, uh, you might want to go ch- check out either their website or you can uh, also see where can you get tickets here. In person at their office, 218 Princess Street, or you, uh, they're available online through the Grand Theater box office. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those are the two places, uh, but you can check out uh, all of the events and the authors and everything uh, on their website. It's www.kingstonwritersfest.ca. <clears throat> So uh, some of them sell early, if I didn't already mention that, so you might want to check that out. Uh, No upcoming immediate calls for submissions. I thought I had one other one, but uh, I don't see it here, so we'll see. We'll let you know that, although uh, they will be closing down in August, so they're still meeting for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, the weekly Limestone Writers Writing Group uh, will meet again um, this coming Wednesday uh, at, uh, let's see, what time is it? 6 p.m. Uh, at Stoffer Library, uh, room two, 239 at, at Stoffer Library. Um, there they critique and support one another's writing, uh, all genres essentially, fiction, poetry, nonfiction, and memoir are all represented. Uh, if you're interested, uh, contact Dave Pratt, and it's dpratt1939 at hotmail.com. Uh, began today, actually, uh, Kingston Storefront Fringe Festival is already going on. It'll be running all the way through uh, next Saturday, the 27th, so you might want to uh, check that out. Uh, they've got a Facebook page. Uh, you can also go through, I suggest going through Theater Kingston uh, website. Uh, I've heard that sometimes there's a little glitch if you go through a direct one. But uh, So com slash shows. After that, I think if you just put in uh, Storefront Fringe, it will take you to the link. In fact, I think it's even on their homepage. So just go to theaterkingston.com. Pretty sure I saw it there on their homepage. Uh, just might mention too for those in the area or that want to come to it. Uh, Erica Birish and Elsa, I think it's Elsa and I will be reading at the bookshop in Tamworth this Sunday at 2 p.m. Uh, it will uh, check out. Uh, the link is tamworthbookshop.com. I think they have information there. Uh, she'll be reading from her latest novel, uh, Lady Franklin of Russell Square. I'll be reading from my latest collection of poetry called An Evening Absence Still Waiting for Moon. Uh, and that begins again uh, 2 p.m. July 21st. The bookshop in Tamworth is at the foot of Peel and Bridge Street East. Uh, it's easy to find. Uh, beautiful little bookshop, so it would be wonderful if I could see you there. Uh, and uh, I will, I've got one more event to mention, but I think I'm running out of time if I want to do this. So again, I want to thank you for tuning in to the first hour uh, this afternoon. 
Again, you have been listening and are listening to Finding a Voice on CFRC 101.9 FM. My name is Bruce. The show is Finding a Voice. And I'm here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. I pulled up. I don't know. I just felt like it. I've heard a few songs of his lately and uh, 55 years later probably for all I know. Uh, this uh, going to bring back a little Bob Dylan. This is off his Free Del- Freewheeling album, uh, first song you're going to hear off it this afternoon. It's called Girl from the North Country. Catch you in the second hour. If you're traveling in the North Country fire where the winds hit heavy on the borderline Remember me to one who lives there For she once was a true lover man If you go in the snowflake storm When the rivers freeze and summer ends Please see she has a coat so warm To keep her from the howling winds Please see if her hair hangs long it rolls and flows all down her breast Please see for me if her hair's hanging long For that's the way I remember her best I'm wondering if she remembers me at all Many times I've often prayed In the darkness of my night In the brightness of my day
And you just heard Bob Dylan. That was actually off his the Freewheeling Bob Dylan album. <clears throat> it was uh, recorded in 1963, so even more than 55, 56 years ago. Now, geez, doesn't seem possible. Anyway, it is at this point now, 5 o'clock. Uh, thanks for listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. Uh, we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. In this second hour, and as mentioned in the first, first hour, I guess, well, we'll continue here with what uh, really, for the most part, uh, will consume this show uh, the next couple of months. Uh, actually began, began it here last week, uh, the first and part of the second session then, and uh, then in the first hour, moving uh, through the rest of it and uh, into the third and uh, now you're going to hear the rest of that third session today. Uh, and uh, again, that was from the first day in the three-day poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5. Uh, I should also mention, as I did in the first hour, these readings uh, took place on June 29th and were part of a three-day, much larger artist festival called Art Fest Kingston 2019. And in this hour, you're going to hear readings by Judith Popiel, Ashley Elizabeth Best, and Alyssa Cooper. Uh, first, though, the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally, some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show uh, may contain strong language, but it's all playing in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So first, let's go ahead and get back into it. Uh, you just heard Aaron Boyce from that session in the first hour. Up first, actually, that afternoon, she was second, but it was a the length of it wouldn't allow me to just go chronologically um, by the hour, or uh, by the minute, I guess, at that point uh, for that day. So I placed Aaron there up first that day and up first this hour in that uh, third session of the Three Day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival on June 29th. Here is Judith Popeil. Judith Bopeel won her first uh, writing award in grade five for a young Canada book read. Uh, her dance and theater articles have appeared in Kingston Week Standard, uh, Dance in Canada, and other magazines. Degrees, honors of fine arts in dance, a master of ed in Queens. Uh, an interdisciplinary artist, she has taught dance, theater, visual arts, fiber art, and film. Kingston Readings, Poets at Art Fest, 100,000 Poets for Change, and Open Mics, Film, 2016, a short documentary film, Ellen Marin's Kitchen, uh, screened opening night at the Kingston, uh, Kings, Kingston Canadian Film Festival. Uh, con uh, current projects, documentary film about spoken word poetry, book of autobiographical stories and poems. Her work uh, currently appears in the anthology Inspired Heart for Teens, Let's bring up Judith Popeil. 
Thank you, Bruce, for that rather wonderful introduction. <laughs> um, so I have about five poems to read, and um, a few of them I've read at the Tuesday night um, open mic, but I'm going to read them again um, just because I like them very much, and they're very recent. So, and I'm new to doing this on the phone. Alyssa's inspired me to do so, but I'm getting it. <laughs> uh, okay, so the first poem I'm going to read is called Gito's Pipe. And uh, last year I went to visit, went on a family reunion, and I went to my old homestead where I grew up as a child, and I took a few things, and one of them was my my grandfather, Gido's pipe, which he always had, which was his signature piece. So I wrote a poem about it, or a story, story poem. Gido's pipe. Gido's pipe was his signature piece. Whenever you saw Gido roaming around the farm, whether he was working on the farm equipment, doing chores in the big red barn, feeding the animals, or working in the garage, he always had his pipe handy. Even if he would only light up for a few puffs, it seemed his pipe was his security blanket. Most memories I have are of him with pipe in hand. Baba wasn't a fan of Gito's pipe. If you saw him without his pipe, it meant that he had either run out of tobacco or Baba had scolded him for some reason or another. Gito also chewed snuff or tobacco, which perhaps was a farmer's thing to do. Most of my uncles on the farms out west also chewed tobacco. I remembered that it was had a dirty smell and it stained my Gito's teeth. Bubba tolerated the pipe smoking more than she did the chewing of the snuff and tobacco. She would often raise her voice and speak to him in those rough Ukrainian words that I assume were not complimentary. After she spoke, she would usually see him go off to the side and spit the tobacco out. Yeah. Dita was a tall, handsome man of broad stature, and he never seemed to change in weight or stature as he grew older. He never spoke much, and especially when Bubba was around. But he seemed to be always listening and observing what was going on, pipe in hand, with the keen ear as to the nature of what the conversation was about. His clear brown eyes, warm in nature, resonated with kindness. When you did converse with him, which was usually in Ukrainian, he's, <coughs> his soft-spoken way would usually make you feel better. When we were troubled or felt we had a pressing issue, and needed someone to listen to us, we would go to Gido. Sometimes Bubba would want my younger sister and I to do a chore we were not fond of. Ooh, these mosquitoes. Um, I just swiped my... <coughs> I just went... Sorry. lost my place. When we were troubled or felt we had a pressing issue and needed someone to listen to us, we would go to Gito. 
Sometimes Bubba would want my younger sister and I to do a chore we were not fond of. We would go directly to Jiro, but knew the parameters of Bubba's temper, and he would not always side with us, but nonetheless would console us in some way or another. Jiro knew how to find the peace and solace that he needed while working on the farm. After supper, when his chores were completed, most days he would wander off to the garage and work on his cars. The garage was his domain. His tools were all organized on one wall, and he had a work table on the wall with the windows. I guess it was sort of like a meditation for him. Oy, oy. To monkey around with his cars, and of course he could smoke his pipe and if he chose, and chew tobacco or snuff, and nobody would bother him. He would sometimes be there until dusk. <coughs> no one on the farm had a mechanic. After all, farmers did all the chores that needed done. And we lived 26 miles away from the town of Nippon. Jito would sometimes take us for a short ride in his big chrome-plated cars, which I believe were Chevys. We loved our Jito, pipe or no pipe. In an abstract way, he seemed to understand our loss as innocent children and wanted to make us feel comfortable on the farm. He also knew that Bubba had the final say in matters, and he wasn't always allowed to give in to our wishes. Regardless, we would always go to him while he was walking about on the farm or working in his garage. Sometimes I feel that he's right by my side walking along today in the pastures of the Zetarosny farm in Nippon, Saskatchewan. This is a poem about whirling that I, I, I do whirling dervish work and have done it for many, many years. And so I, so I wrote a poem about it because one day I couldn't whirl. I have a torn meniscus, so it's been hard. But then I decided at this workshop that I would try whirling. And then afterwards I had such an inner feeling I wrote this poem about my experience. It seems that I am constantly searching for myself, my true self. Where are you? In the turn, I seem to find a little of my true self. Me, 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 as God or goddess intended me to be. In the turn, if only a few moments that are true, I am me created goddess, which oh, seems to exist. The turn, an ancient ritual, began many centuries ago with the poet Rumi in Konya, in Turkey. The turn, a way of finding my true self in the breath. Perhaps the breath of God, perhaps the breath of Allah, perhaps the breath of Buddha, perhaps the breath of Jesus, breathing through me, breathing into me. I really don't know. It's just breath. It's just turning with the breath. Living energy propelled through the body. The body, the breath, genetically handed down from generations of celestial beings in the turn. I am whole. 
I am who man. I am human. I am here. I am breath. Turning, turning, turning within the vortex of my own breath. Beyond body, lost in breath, turning, 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 knowing but not knowing. In continual revolutions, in continual evolutions of what began long ago in the tribes, perhaps, of Genghis Khan. Thank you. And this little story poem, I just wrote it with uh, Jason Heru, is that how you say his name? Uh, workshop. Yeah. Um, he asked us to write a poem based on if we were the soccer ball. And uh, I used to live right downtown here uh, for many years. And I had a little beagle dog. And he ran away to the soccer field over here one day. And I couldn't find him. And he disrupted the whole game. And so he took this. Anyway, this poem is about him and the soccer, soccer ball. Being a soccer ball, all decorated in black and white, Humans like to kick me around a field and score what they call goals. But I am just a foil. I am not in competition. I do not enjoy being kicked around and then whirled into an enclosure that they call a net. I twirl, I swirl, I plummet high into the air and just land somewhere only to be kicked around once again. People cheer and yell and wave their flags when I land inside what they call a net. But I am a soccer ball and I really don't care about being in a net. But magically, one day, something unusual happened to me. I brought some of the most, these were some of the most happy moments of my life. I suddenly was captured and taken across the field in all directions by a little dog. She clenched me in her mouth with so much love and she cared for me. Instead of being kicked around, I was being carried with love. She had captured me so fluidly and she took me from the maddening crowd. Players on the field were not happy about this. They yelled and jeered at the little dog and tried to catch her and snatch me from her mouth without success. For the first time in my life, I felt loved and we ran and ran in all directions. I felt peaceful in the mouth of this little dog. Her gentle grip was enough for me to know that she cared about me and my well-being. She didn't care if I scored a goal, and she seemed so happy to have me in the grips of her mouth. But the yelling continued, and everyone seemed so upset that she had interrupted the game, and no goals were being scored into that net. And everything seemed chaotic. But the little dog held steadfast and carried me to places I had never been before, outside of the four-cornered field. I felt like I was dreaming while in the mouth of this little dog. But as you know, dreams always bring new awakenings. And eventually, a human who knew the little dog's name entered the field and called her name. She ran quickly to this human who happened to be her owner. And then it was, and then the dream changed into a new reality. I was taken carefully from the mouth of the little dog 
and hand it over to one of the soccer players. My whimsical dream-like journey had ended. Oh well, as the saying goes, be grateful for those moments of true happiness and being loved and appreciated, even if it's just momentarily. for the uh, solstice, I did, they have this labyrinth in Picton, so I participate with a group of women in this um, ritual of traveling the labyrinth, which is also an ancient ritual. So I was also taken, so I just sat, wrote a poem very quickly, because you tend to lose the feeling if you leave, and then you don't have the words. So it's called Labyrinth. Um, here we go. Labyrinth, circling deeper and deeper, walking deeper into the heart with grace. Labyrinth, walking so many layers deeper and deeper. We plunge the labyrinth, walking and circling the body of the universal heart. Step by step, we gather as a community, women searching, circling in our hearts around the circumference of the earth, in our bodies, our, our hearts and our souls, floating in space around the labyrinth, walking the distance to meet our true selves. So this is kind of a poem, it's still in process, but it's a activist poem about the women in Somalia and our lives here and how the dichotomy switches. And I tend to have a feeling for all these people and think about what's going on in other realities other than my own. And whenever I feel I'm having problems, I say, hey, wait a minute, this is not a problem. Don't worry about it. Just carry on. I see a picture of a woman in the desert of Somalia. Her donkeys are loaded with jerry cans. She is clothed in dark blue and purple. I am not sure where she is going with her donkeys. Her face looks hot and de desperate. On the opposite page, Mr. T is touring the car factory and vows to bring jobs back to Michigan. Such a dichotomy. Where is this all going, I ask myself. Stop, stop, stop. And I think a little more about what's really going on. Deep cuts to all the humans that are vulnerable. The whole planet is in danger of collapse. I am not worried about water. I have access to clean drinking water all my life. Sorry. I am not worried about living in the street. I have had some kind of lodging all my life. I am not worried about being putting food on my table. I have had some food on my table all of my life. So 
what am I worried about? Why do I worry? Maybe this is all an illusion. Maybe no one recognizes the dangers at hand. We are all vulnerable to the imminent dangers. But first, we must acknowledge what they are and who we, we are amongst these dangers. We are all consumers, and we are all being consumed. We are strong people, and yet vulnerable to the imminent dangers that soak the cloaks upon our hearts and minds. The lady with the donkeys is just another reflection of who we are. Mr. T's obnoxious personality is a tempered pool, and we have to learn not to reflect in it. Our eyes see, our ears hear, our hearts feel, but how conscious are we in this process? Reflection is at hand. Reflection, reflection. Not in the pool of chaos, but in the pool of grace. So I just thought to end, I would read the poems that are published in the anthology that Bruce edited. And they're just two short poems. So um, one is Oak Forest. Oak trees towering long and tall, a hundred years of wisdom and grace encircled in your trunks. I bow graciously, standing beneath your canopy of wisdom, only to learn a few of your buried secrets. And there's one more. Uh, when I traveled across Canada last summer, I was compelled or astounded or there are no words to say what Lake Superior gave to my heart, but it's everybody should experience it. Um, Lake, on Lake Superior, moon has risen over Lake Superior. Pink and purple haze residue remains. Tiny island in the middle of lake blending in cold, calm waters. Pebble Beach, where vagabonds retire to sleep while screeching crows fly overhead. Thank you. Lots of bugs. Let's do the mobile. Let's give them a hand. And you just heard a reading by Judith Popeil in the third session of the first day of the three-day uh, poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5. And, <clears throat> excuse me, that was held on June 29th. Up next in that same session, here is Ashley Elizabeth Best. Up next, Ashley Elizabeth Best from Coburg, Ontario, now lives and writes in Kingston. Best's work has appeared in CB2. For For Freus. Okay, yeah. Uh, Geist, uh, Ambit Magazine, and the Literary Review of Canada. In 2015, she was a finalist for the 2015 Robert Croach Award for Innovative Poetry. Her debut poetry collection, Slow States of Collapse, 
was published with ECW Press. Give it up for Ashley Elizabeth Beth. Thanks, Bruce, for putting this all together again. <laughs> Just going to periodically wave bugs away. Um, I don't give a lot of context for my poems. I probably I just read them. So, but I will say this about this poem. I was thinking the other day that I really missed uh, the sleepless goat, and I wrote this in the sleepless goat. So, I'd like to be the subject of your neck tattoo. I spent three years translating his smile, abandoned words molding the silence after our fights. I thought about him more in French than I did English, and even my prized bilingual tongue could not word his feelings. A tattoo rounded his throat, curved behind the soft flesh of his ear. The faded blue skin read, Betty. I've known Betty for three years, have never heard him mention her, something too tender to touch. In the night, I stare her down. That's that. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna read some newer stuff now. These are the right ones. Yep. This is called Drift. Sister, what is left of us in this place that we loved? Things change faster than you'll notice. Epochs of compressed dust speak the facts of decay. An early autumn moon ripens over the horizon's light, sun dragging the unwilling carcass of its shadow over the islands of its spine. Age has thinned our bodies into submission, forming knots within the safety of our own diminishing. The centering personalities of our childhood gone. The old gods lost to this landscape's cloistered convent of Precambrian shield. We preside over the shoulders of a small waterfall shrugged up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In this, our second sorrow, the sprawl of fossils on river, flat river stones read ruinous. With the dream past the reality of our tasks, we lower ourselves into September waters feet sinking into the mud of a river's bottom after such a sad long time. I can't look at you to a face closed off to me. My body scrubs over the river's palette of blue, its bedrock pelvis heavy with leaf litter. A bridge fastens it together, keeps it from splitting open the thrusts of its widening sides. The gut of its wandering swells with arteries of fish. Age massage from the surface of stones, a sudden chorus of rain delivers the sky of its body. Here we are, sister, bruising the waters of our youth, thoughts vacant in the land of my body, divinity lodged in the flesh. This is the newest one of the bunch. Uh, it doesn't have a title. It was written after reading uh, John Berryman. Wednesday is the day for worries. How many plastic bags did you use this week? Is your medication out? Will rent be late this month? What will we do when we inherit the earth? This Wednesday, it is three days since my mother told me she has cancer, stuck at a gas station on my way to Sudbury. The bus rides each snow squall, and this Wednesday is different, no different from any other Wednesdays on the bus. The woman in front of me with blue star tattoos on her face is traveling west two weeks after her boyfriend overdosed at an army base. Before I left, the man I thought I loved gave me gifts. Turtle dove hearts engraved on a box, a Contigo mug, a band shirt, and claimed half my tooth with a fist. Love, after all, is not practical. It's a surviving necessity. 
today I'm going to the mountains where I can mourn a life that was never mine, where what I can't write about you wakens me, where I can believe the mind is in the head and nobody is ever missing. This is, uh, this is the last one. Uh, it's called alignment. My body smells animal under my coat. Hello, fire. I offer you letters from my past, pictures of those lost. See my body bulked up to your hot flank. No sirens tonight here in the countryside, but this standstill will not last. Fire soothe my sore sockets. I'll follow the wraith-faced owl belly down in snow, knees wet and swollen, voice braided into the wind. I'm meant for open air. A loose tooth chips at silted points into the flesh of my lips. In every direction, a person of consequence stands before shedding pines, the winter sun prying their shapes into a darkened distance. I miss the city's siren wine, where no starlight is visible at 2 a.m., where the light sleds off in greeting to the moon. He won't speak to me, and what can I do out here in slummy kilometers of smoke and hills, knuckled with the shield's toned musculature, rocks shedding off their joints. I don't ask, it doesn't mean I don't deserve to be told. I adore his pitiable tone, so tactical. He just wants an opportunity to refuse. The shadows crease with shades of firelight. His feelings bruise on mine as hills of clouds sprain their bulk anew to the wind's sleight of hand. January has come to winter in my bones, swollen knees in the cold rush, and my frozen parchment skin clasped to a glass. I've ransomed my life, a bear downing a deer, wishing for him and the noisy hold of the city. Before sunrise tomorrow, five planets will align, just before a quickening of light, such a brief time to be visible. I'll raise my eyes to its passing. All this nature infects me. I jackknife my body, feel for the pulp of leaves under snow, the day's warmth siphoned off, the snow approaching the tree-lined ocean with tracks of the missing. This is a day I could be buried in. It's actually Elizabeth Bass. Give her another hand. And that was Ashley Elizabeth Best in the third session of the first day of the three-day uh, poetry festival uh, called Poets at Art Fest 5. should mention again, uh, probably, that uh, that was also tied into a three-day artist festival uh, called Art Fest Kingston that ran from uh, June 29th through uh, July 1st. And uh, we'll have one more reading uh, from that session. But uh, let's do this first, and we'll do it right after that. I mean, if there's a listener-supported radio station, you're, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world, not just what the corporate media want you to see, but a different picture, a different understanding, but a different picture different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become uh, human, you know. That's the way you become human participants in a, in a social and political system. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Sit, sit back, relax, listen to some hip-hop with the premium plus Friday. Now stop rocking till it's time to go. The DJ professional rocking the show. That's a fantastic. Dollar bill every Friday night at 9 p.m. Sit back, relax, listen to some hip hop on the premium plus show Friday night. I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The future is on your table. Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org. Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let The Hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. And you're listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up next and uh, is the last reader from the third session of the first day of the three-day poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5. Uh, and that day was June 29th. Will also be the last, I believe, yeah, last uh, poet I play here this afternoon. And so here is Alyssa Cooper. Up next, Alyssa Cooper is a Canadian author, poet, and uh, performer currently living in Kingston with her partner, two cats, and a Boston Terrier. She is the author of four novels, a short story collection, and two poetry collections, and has performed at festivals, conferences, and special events from Gananoque to Toronto. She believes in feminism, veganism, and the power of the Oxford comma. Let's bring her up. That new bio always gets a chuckle. Um, so I did one of the blackout poems that are set up in stations over there, and I've never done one before, and I'm pretty happy about it, so I'm going to read that first. Apparently it's called Chapter 12. Thrust the blue sky into the thick underlay of the sun through bright shafts rich. Suddenly the forest eyes see, rolling and tossing a vast sheet of blue bigger than the water. Not speaking, the white froth in her mouth, the sea is pulling, rolling, walking. You'll get wet, Sarah warned. I don't care, I don't care, her bare skin gleaming and splashing brightly, diving into the water with her clothes. Everybody should go write a blackout poem because that's fun. For my actual set, um, I'm going to start with um, some poems that I'm writing for a new collection I'm working on right now. I um, got an Ontario Arts Council grant this year for a collection, so that's kind of been everything for the last six, seven months or so. 
<laughs> How did that happen I twice? Just, <laughs> I know, they just come into your mouth. They like us. I'm vegan, guys. This is a problem. <laughs> um, so I'm going to recite a couple poems that I've been working on for that collection. It's um, about my grandmother and my mother and my father and basically just about inherited trauma and genetic memory and that kind of stuff. So this first one is called Ire. I study maps of surnames and wonder at their legitimacy. Run my fingers over faded borders, caress the rocky shore and wonder where we set sail from. Wonder where the salty wind took hold of our dandelion parachutes and carried us aloft. Wonder what lands the bones of my ancestors still feed, but there is no one left alive to ask. I tried to learn Irish once, and my tongue couldn't find its way around the words. Wooden and clumsy, we got lost in twisted alleyways of pronunciation and barely found our way out. Tried tattooing the words on my fingers instead, but my skin couldn't understand. The ink turned the letters into mud puddles, my own flesh rejecting history, denying me my past. I once met a woman with green eyes and an accent, and when I told her that I was Irish, she laughed in a voice that echoed with highlands and sea. No, she said, you're not. And who was I to argue? My story diluted by the passage of time like water added to ink with every generation and now I am here, translucent. I am a ghost haunting the halls of memory. I am invisible, a half-life thing with words for everyone, except for myself. And when she was young, my grandmother let women from back home read her future in tea leaves. Back home, that was what she called it, even though she had never set foot there. Grew up on the banks of a river, masquerading as the sea, her nose always searching for salt. And I wonder if they saw me there. Those back home women with their gnarled hands, did they see me? Painted like moss in the bottom of the teacup. Little lost soul with the treacherous name, did they see me? Floating. With ink in my skin did they see me, falling in love with a sea that I have never seen. Thank you. <coughs> <coughs> that hanging on. <coughs> uh, so for my second piece, it's from the same collection, um, same idea, but this one is about my mom. Um, when I was in my first year of college, which was my third year of post-secondary, which is a whole other story. Um, my mom came down with something called TPP. I still can't pronounce what that stands for, um, but basically your platelets all explode, so you get blood clots at the same time as you get internal. It was a, it was a whole thing. Um, so I've been writing a lot about the time that she spent in the hospital, and uh, this is one of them. It's called Smoking Genesis. One. I'm rolling joints with Bible paper, thin as onion skins, and my fingers are skilled. This is the party trick that I use to impress the boys. Look how quick I can finish. This is the trick that I use to convince them that I am more than just a girl. All this magic in my palms, and we ran out of blank pages ages ago. Now... We are smoking Genesis, torn apart and reassembled, held together with tonguefuls of honey, and when I inhale, I can taste the voice of God. When the phone rings, my father's voice is an angel fluttering their wings. His voice is not his own. My father's voice is the seventh day, eons away, and yet, 
I can taste it. He doesn't say your mother is dying, but that is what he means. And so I put down the Bible. Two, in the back seat of the car, I spit my teeth into my palm, roll them like dice and hold them out to the empty seat beside me. Kiss him, baby, give me your luck. I have not breathed in hours. Three, at the hospital, I am embarrassed by the sticky smell that follows me, by the smears of honey on the backs of my hands, by my eyes as dry as bones. Men in white coats try to convince me to say goodbye, and I refuse. It is a futile gesture, meaningless words. If she dies, the world is over. Anyways, there is no going on without her. She will drag us down with her tar-stained hands. Her death is revelations. And we will not survive it. Later, I will wonder if it was my stubbornness that saved her. In all the years that my youthful cruelty kept me out till dawn wreathed in smoke and drenched in liquor, she waited. She would not sleep <coughs> until she heard me say goodnight. And I am sure she will not die until I am ready to say goodbye <coughs> to this goddamn gnat in my throat. <coughs> Thank you. <laughs> from my depressing stuff. Um, I always like doing at least one love poem at this event because um, next month is my anniversary with my dude who's been putting up with me for like seven years now. Um, so I write weird love poems about our weird love stuff. So this is called, what is it called? Swan Song. <coughs> Wing beats like gunshots over open water. And do you remember when I told you that a swan can mourn itself to death? I want to build a crown of feather to place upon your head. Want to lather up your sweat and wash away the 22 years that I didn't get to know you. I am jealous of everyone who's had you longer than I have. Resentful. Like, they don't love you like I do. Like, I want to carve your name from their tongues. Crack open their skulls to pluck their memories. Like pomegranate seeds. And they'd be red, you know. They'd be red and sweet like candy, and you didn't believe me. But the truth is that a swan would rather die than live its life alone. And I never want to be a lonely swan. I want to curve my neck into a heart with yours, like those pictures and calendars that are too perfect to be real. Like my body is origami, and you are a paper-folding master. You know just where to put the corners. And I am made of colored rice paper. And together, we are happy folded paper people with happy folded paper smiles. And for me, for now, that is enough. And I wonder if you remember climbing to the top of the world and wondering how life below got so small when we weren't in it. Like everything is small without us. Like the wide and boundless sky has no meaning when I am not looking up at it with you. Like, we are running hot and overworked engine. We are atoms of hydrogen on the surface of the sun, and we were always meant to come together in chain reactions. Like, when you hold my hand, we are helium. We are lighter than air, like those gaudy foil greetings with their impossible little ribbon curls. We are weightless and likely to remain that way. We are wing beats over water taking to the sky. We are loud like gunshots, and you didn't believe me. 
couldn't comprehend how a bird could die of a broken heart, but they can, and now I think you finally understand. They can, and we can too. obstacle I have not had to overcome before. <laughs> so one more love poem. We'll see if I can get through it. <coughs> this one is called uh, Dying of Thirst. Kiss your cheek like the sun kisses the horizon at the end of the day. Coming together after an entire sky apart and being completely consumed. Like, I want to be consumed. Like I am falling into your chest and nesting in the cage of your ribs where your metronome heart will rock me to sleep and keep me there until morning when I will leave you again because that is my nature, my God-forsaken nature to love you and leave you and live with my regret until sunset. When I come crawling back like a beaten dog and you never make me say I'm sorry. Gracious and forgiving like the lonely horizon, like I am a spoonful of sugar melting on your precious hillside tongue. And it has been said that a man dying of thirst will guzzle down seawater, knowing that it won't save him, only wanting to die with the wetness on his lips. And I want to be that dying man, want to turn my face to the salty shore and open my mouth to the sweet kiss of death. I want to be that tragic story, want to die kissing your cheek like the sun kisses the horizon because I want to be remembered for my return and not for my departure. I want to be remembered for my brilliance at sunset, for that flash of green and touch of destiny, and I want to die with your oasis blooming on my lips because nothing ever tasted as good as you did, like earth and sea and marshmallows, and nothing ever made me want to come home like you. And I am, I swear, I am coming home. Oh, you almost had a roommate. <coughs> so I have one more piece that I'm going to read because my memory can only do so much. Um, <clears throat> I've been working with the Gridlock Stage Company, who are based here in Kingston. Um, we're doing a, I guess we were doing, it's written now, um, a collaborative creation piece. So we've all been meeting up once every couple weeks to come together with themes and lines and stuff. And since January, we managed to write a play. And our play is premiering at the end of July at the Storefront Fringe Festival. So if you go on their website or their Facebook, you can see the schedule. We have six shows over the course of the week, I think. I'm not in the play. I just wrote the play. I, I don't act. Um, but this was something that we wrote um, back in February, March-ish, before the actual script was a thing. But I really like what I got out of it, so this is kind of... A preview to the kinds of themes and topics that you will see in our play. It's called Uncertainty. Oh, the play is called Mind Games. I'm sorry. Mind Games. Yeah. Storefront Fringe Festival. End of July. <coughs> Drawing out lines in sidewalk chalk, South Ontario mandalas blowing dust into the wind with hands like rainbows. And I'm waiting for the rain. 
draw out my timeline like spider webs, delicate, because we never touch the same water twice. Head goes left, heart goes right, body follows both, and I am torn in half, torn to pieces, distributed like stars across the wide night sky, all burning and bright, and I will never be wiped clean the same way again. It's different every time I self-destruct, it changes. Different colored dust in my teeth, different shapes to the cracks in my molars. I had to learn to speak with my hands. Tongue turns to stone when things get absurd. When I step outside the chalk box, mouth turns to marble. My spine is a pole with no direction. The compass rose in my solar plexus, spinning, 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 and I can't find the earth beneath my feet. I am a ship becalmed in the harbor, anchor resting useless on a salted deck. I am the hanged man, limp sails, strangled foot, correcting my motion down to stillness. I am frozen. This indecision tastes like winter, smells like ice. I don't know who I am when the chalk dust settles. Call me artist, call me poet, call me beating heart in a cage of bone. But what is the distance between one rib and the next? How many stories are tattooed on my skull? The old and the new, the told and the untold. What taught my gut to melt emotion? When did my softness start turning to stone? Fossilization, calcification, precocious child, gap to smile. What has become of my potential? Remember the feeling of summer sun between shoulder blades. Remember the weight of your wings fermenting inside your spine. Remember those paths still glittering before you, pulled out thin like strands of spider silk, endless and inescapable. This is a prayer to all the versions of me who ever draw lines in chalk on sidewalks. This is a prayer to spiders. This is a prayer for rain. Thank you. Was Alyssa Cooper. Let's give her another hand. And that was Alyssa Cooper. She swallowed one of the gnats in the tent. Uh, yeah, I felt so sorry for her, but that's why uh, she had such a coughing fit there that uh, that afternoon. And uh, that was from the third session of the first day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 uh, Poetry Festival. And that was, uh, that day was June 29th. That ran as part of the three-day Artist Festival called Art Fest Kingston 2019 in City Park. And uh, it also concluded, her reading concluded uh, the readings in that session. Uh, I hope you can stay tuned next week, in fact, for the next several weeks uh, to catch the remainder of what we've played now, 12, I believe. Uh, so 44 more poets to go over the course of the next few weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you can stay tuned for those in the weeks to come. Uh, just to let you know, too, you are listening to Finding a Voice on CFRC 101.9 FM. And let's see, I don't have much time. I better do this first. The, uh, you know what? There's just one event, and it's coming up a week from tomorrow, so I'd even have another chance. But it is the uh, Hot Chocolate Charity Concert that SAF Decaf set up way back in December, and they've honored a bunch of uh, every every month they do this, the last Saturday of the month at uh, the Community House, which is 99 York Street. 
and uh, that's coming up Saturday, uh, July 27th from 2 to 4.30. And what they do is they honor a charity. Uh, they provide hot chocolate, or and now that we're in the summer months, perhaps something more like lemonade. And uh, they have six musicians or so uh, that come in and uh, donate. all the donations go to whatever charity they set up. And uh, it's $10 or pay what you can. And so I do want to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, do remember that uh, both hours of today's show uh, will be uploaded to my blog space for it at finding a voice on cfrc.wordpress.com. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.